Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Jordy and Steph Mumby. Jordy's a regular presenter here on The Uncommon Truth, and this time he's brought his wife, Steph, and they're joining us to discuss Jordy's recent cancer diagnosis. It's a really hard subject to talk about, and it takes a lot of vulnerability to be able to talk about it on a podcast that goes everywhere. But I wanted to bring Jordy and Steph on because I think the way that they've been dealing with this has not only been good, but it's been top-notch and has taken a situation that is full of hopelessness and, as the world would see it, really, really despair and has turned it into something that God has really been using in their lives and in the community. So that's what they're going to be sharing with us here on The Uncommon Truth today. Before they join us, though, I would love to remind you to continue to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, which really bumps us up in the charts. And that allows more people who haven't heard of us to get a chance to listen to our conversations about the church the way Jesus meant it to be. You can also use the link that I've provided in the show notes to share via text or email the podcast, individual episodes if you'd like. If you have a topic here that we've discussed and you want a friend or a family member to check that out, you can just copy that link and they'll get the podcast on whatever device they're listening to. If you stick around for the end of the show, I will give you an opportunity to get in contact with Jordy and Steph and figure out how you can support them. I'll also have in our show notes uh, links to my email and ways that you can get in contact with us and just ways that you can interact with the Father's House Church and the Uncommon Truth. And with all that out of the way, I'd like to welcome Jordy and Steph Mumby to the Uncommon Truth. Okay, well, welcome back to the Uncommon Truth. Today we've got a special episode. I'm here with Jordy and Steph Mumby. So if you've listened to The Uncommon Truth at all, you've probably heard Jordy either come up in Steve's stories or my stories, or you've heard him. He's been on probably about five or six of our episodes, spilling some truth on us. He's kind of a Bible nerd. Jordy is a, so he's a regular member of The Uncommon Truth, and he's the director of the School of Transformation and associate pastor at the Father's House here, and he enjoys roasting his own coffee and cooking and consuming meat in mass quantities. <laughs> so uh, he's joining us along with his wife, Steph. And uh, Steph actually helped with the birth of our daughter, but more on that later. We'll, we'll have a full update at the end of the episode because I've been teasing that for a while. Um, she was our doula sort of birth coach. And uh, she's on pastoral staff as well at the father's house. And she enjoys painting and being an extrovert. So... That's awesome. Jordy and Steph are quite different in that way, but we'll, you'll probably hear that come out in our interview here. They have four children, ages 5 to 11, and they're from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And hopefully, though, they'll be U.S. citizens soon. It's creeping up. That's awesome. So uh, what, is, what is the, like, one of the questions, I've seen you've been getting this, like, this little app going and trying to test yourselves on citizenship questions. Hopefully right. Homeland security isn't listening in on this, but <laughs> what is, what is the one question that you're like, if I don't get any of them else, right, I'm going to get this one, right? Uh, well, there's very easy questions in there and there's very, what to a Canadian would be very difficult questions in there. Okay. For example, I'll give you a difficult one, right? It's like who wrote the Federalist papers? I had never heard of the Federalist papers right. in my entire life. 
I don't think most Americans have heard of the Federalist Papers. I've got a bachelor's in history, and I, I think I have to look that one up. So who I is think, it? Well, um, that uh, Broadway thing made it famous lately. Oh, so Hamilton. Hamilton's in yeah. there. And uh, who else is in there? Oh, see, I'm going to fail already. There's guy <laughs> Publius, but that's that was uh, that was one of their pen names. Of you, one of the oh, that that can't be somebody's real name, right? That's it was that's, Madison. That's right. See? Okay, Steph whispered, whispered the answer into my ear. Madison's pen name was Publius. Really? There you go. I didn't know that. So this is. I guess I got to watch that the John Adams on HBO one more time. So they'll even ask you questions like, "What is the ocean on the west coast of the United States?" So like, like they go from super easy to. Federalist Papers. So, okay. No. And what what sort of threshold of correctness do you have to reach? Well, they only ask you six questions. Okay. Well, the, it's a group of ten questions, and you have to get six right. Is a better way of saying. I that. see. So there you go. So to be a citizen of the United States, ten questions, six right. And I guess <laughs> does that make you feel better? <laughs> yeah. As Americans, we we have to be probably thankful that they're not walking around at places asking us those questions because. I don't know a lot of people that would ever know what the Federalist Papers were. Or the amount of people in Congress. Right. Um, 435. Okay. I guessed very wrong on that one. So, And I pay attention. I try to pay attention to some of that stuff at least. But anyway, thank you guys for joining us. It's. Uh, I think this is going to be a really good episode. Today we're, we're sharing a little bit of your stories. Or you guys are sharing a little bit of your stories. So where where do you want to start? I guess the the biggest... Part of my story so far would be just on the day I was diagnosed, you know, just diagnosed with uh, rectal cancer. Uh, like I had some obvious body symptoms going on just before that, which required a visit to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as I was coming out of the colonoscopy, which was Fun. an event in all in itself, yeah. right? It was, you're coming out of the anesthesia and like as clear as a bell, right? I remember the the doctor telling me, he said, uh, we found something and it looks cancerous. And like that, that, that will catch your attention. I don't care what kind of state of mind you're in. Yeah. And it waited, we had to wait, uh, I think three or four days to get the, the actual confirmation mm-hmm. of what it was. And so it was, uh, April 4th, April 4th of this year that, uh, the doctor, you know, just over the phone told me, you know, yeah, you have rectal cancer. And so that was, that was the beginning of the, the crazy journey for us of, a life-altering diagnosis. Yeah. There's so much ignorance involved at the beginning. You don't really know what you're getting yourself into. So it's it's been quite the ride so far. Okay. So I want to hear from Steph. Steph, what was what was going through your mind when, when that was happening, when, when all this diagnosis stuff sort of came down the line? Oh, that's a... That's kind of a hard one. There's a hundred things going through your mind. Um, I think I wanted to sort of deny (laughs) that that was actually really happening. But at the same time, like I was probably the one that saw the look on the doctor's face more so than uh, Jordy did because, you know, he was a little bit out of it. And and I there was really no doubt in his face. You know, he can't obviously confirm in that moment for you absolutely 100% yes it's cancer but he really believed that it was and so I remember I uh went out to the car and I called uh Pastor Steve you know and I told him what the doctor had said and he asked me you know are you sure that's what he said and I said yes I am positive that that's what he said he said I'm pretty sure it's cancer you know and uh in that moment you know you're kind of grasping for 
some form of control Mm -hmm. um, and really going like, okay, well, even if it is cancer, how bad can it really be? It can't really be that bad. You know, um, obviously we eventually sort of found out that it really was that bad. Um, But initially we had thought, you know, a simple surgery would sort of, you know, solve that for us. And uh, we have come to find out that it's a lot more than that. But anyway, definitely. Oh God, oh God, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> kind of running through your mind, right? And uh, too much in your head, even for emotion at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you guys backing up just a little bit, you guys have a really huge, big role here at the father's house. Um, I know Jordy sort of spoke to this a little bit um, when we first started making episodes. This is episode 20. That was probably back on episode three or four. You're talking about how you guys came here from Canada, um, the journey of of that sort of crooked road that you took to, to get here. Um, but now that you're here, what sort of, what sort of role do you guys play in this ministry? And, and I know there's a lot of people here that look up to you. So I think before we move on, knowing the status you guys have here and you know, that might be helpful for people to know, right? Not, I mean, I know I'm asking you to toot your own horn a little bit, but I think it's important to know really like how many people are following you and looking to you guys, right? So we run the School of Transformation, which has, I think, 40 students in it total mm-hmm. right now. And so for a church of 200 people, you got kind of have a quarter yeah, of the audience, a, third of the audience, yeah. right? So a lot of our influence comes from that place of running the School of Transformation. So we're like, we're, we're hands-on in, uh, in people's lives all the time, showing them where to go and telling them how to live a life of less dysfunction and more Jesus. Mm-hmm. What a what a relationship with Jesus actually looks like on a daily basis. You know, so like that's our role around here is really showing people a way to go, um, understanding the gospel and the gospel message and what it means to follow Jesus and be having Jesus live inside of you and all that. Right. So so our influence around here is is fairly large, I would think. Um, we have, I know Steph runs uh, with a lot of uh, mothers in, in the not the neighborhood, but just she can describe better what that is. But uh, just the outside influence, not just within the church, but that we have access to people with, uh, outside the church as well. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a fairly practical role around here, but then I also have um, sort of a less obvious role, I think, and uh, that would be you know what does it look like to be a wife and a mother. Uh, in ministry. So with four kids, uh, well, we, when we moved here 12 years ago, I was pregnant with our oldest. And so, you know, I think I was, uh, the first or one of the very first people on staff here to actually have a young baby. So, you know, walking that out and figuring out, you know, what does it look like to be ministering to people at the exact same time as trying to raise a family. And I never really did take that role of, you know, I'm just going to back way off and sort of do my little family, uh, you know, and maybe show up at church every so often. Uh, I've always been very much all in, and it wasn't actually until the last couple of years that I did pull back a little bit just with the kids being in school, and, you know, there's a lot of practical demands when that happens. But, you know, very much living that whole role of a mother in front of people uh, who really have never, or some of them have never really seen what a good mother looks like, you know, living that role of a wife in front of people Uh, for many who also have never maybe seen what that looks like in kind of a healthy way. So Mm -hmm. that's the way that I see a lot of my influence probably is that is uh, I'm living my life very much in front of people and I'm available, you know, almost at all times 
even when I am at home with my kids and, and things, I'll have people pop up to the house to ask me questions or they're in some sort of crisis or need to talk to me on the phone or, or whatever. So in addition to the actual responsibility that I hold, um, I also am sort of the, the pastoral liaison for our uh, prayer counseling department. And, and so I'll help with, you know, different decisions and ideas that need to go with that. But, in a, you know, so teaching in the school being a wife and mom, and then also, you know, being that pastoral oversight for one of our major departments here. Yeah. So, yeah, I do fill a, a decent role, yeah. I think. Yeah. So there's a lot of people looking to the two of you guys. In in normal life, outside, before this diagnosis, there's a lot of people thinking, I, I want to live as a, as a healthy couple. I want to live as uh, healthy parents, or I want to live unconfused in my Christianity. And, and you, I think you guys are pretty high from what I can understand on the top of most people's lists on like, who can I follow to live less confused or live a Christianity that works. And so that's before any diagnosis comes down the line. Right. And so when, when that happens, does that does that play any role this, all these people following you does that like cross your mind how did that how did that work um not really <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess <laughs> i guess it's not the first thing you think of right i uh, my mentality is a bit different it's like i i am aware that people are following me i'm aware that i have leadership abilities and all that stuff um but it, ultimately it's my place with jesus that that takes the main stage hmm. It's just like when that does come around, it's uh, like there's a whole bunch of ignorance involved because you don't really don't know yeah. uh, how much how much treatment is involved and what your situation is. And like our situation continued to, to go from bad to worse, you know, like I, they, they want to do a CT scan on me to make sure it was just where it was. Right. It was yeah. just in, in 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 the colorectal area. Right. And so they, they did a. Uh, uh, what is it? Pet scan? Is it pet scan? Pet scan to, to kind of find out where it is, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when they found it's other parts of my body as well. It wasn't just in that pl- place. It, like it was up in my liver, and it was a lot in my liver, and it is a lot in my liver, and it was in my bones as well, my hip bones specifically. Mm-hmm. And so it was just hit after hit after hit. So like how you how I manage that stuff wasn't like how do I lead other people through this? My mentality yeah. was, where are we, Jesus? is my main thing is I'm with you, right? It wasn't, it hasn't gone through my mind yet of uh, why me? It hasn't gone to that place of, well, what did I do to deserve this? Like I haven't gone there. Mm -hmm. Where I have gone is, God, how how are we going to use this for your story? And I think just that mentality alone catches people's attention. And they want to know more about, well, what about that mentality? Like, can you teach me more about that? And yeah, then it, so how, it starts how to become that, was that? How, Like, because for me, I know for me, there are, there are little daily things that they wouldn't necessarily be why me, but sort of like, an, it caused me to roll my eyes and kind of take a step towards the victim mentality. Right. And there's, they're nowhere near the scale of a diagnosis like you've received and yet seeing or hearing you talk about it and seeing you walk it out of the, that's not even an option for me. That really blows my mind. Cause that's like, that's where I want to be. That's not where I'm at. Um, 
so how was there any any like flirting with that that you know like oh i i can be i can be a victim now or i can you know now now i get to take a step back or sit you know what i mean anything like it's, that? it's a fleeting thoughts for sure yeah but they don't really don't last that long i remember the first phone call i made was to pastor steve and uh what i told him was hey it's cancer and we had a little bit of a discussion probably a few phrases long yeah and I, and i just said oh, i get to show people how to walk through adversity now mm-hmm. like that that's my mentality of this is going to be interesting to walk through you know so that that's always been my mentality through this whole thing of i wonder how god is going to use this for his story there is a selfish perception to christianity sometimes that i've kind of trained myself out of over the last decade or so of knowing that this isn't about me and what i get out of my relationship with jesus this is about me being with jesus and me saying i'm with you mm. um there's a uh, there's a phrase that we've said around here for man 10 years it's kind of it's not that common but it was 10 years ago was here i am lord you know yeah. here i am and and so that's kind of like the same mentality i'm still here here i am <laughs> yeah. here i am and to me what it means is i'm with you yeah i'm with you here i am if you want to use me use me mm-hmm. if you want to do something with me do something with me you know and there's a whole bunch of confusion that comes with that potentially of like, I want to make this abundantly clear. Is this did not come from God. Right. He's, he did not give this to me to show people, and I just got to get my mind ra- around that. Like, he doesn't have it to give, right? So so it doesn't come from him. And it's this understanding of me with him in the middle of it. Yeah. Knowing he didn't give it to me, so how are we going to walk this out together? So it, that's that's my mentality through this whole thing. Yeah. How, Steph, what about you? Uh, remind me of the question. What so, did we start with? <laughs> yeah. No, we were just talking about that that first thought of, you right. know, how did this happen or kind of the temptation that I think most people can relate to of like, like succumbing to the temptation of despair or blaming or victimhood, anything like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I remember uh, on the day that we actually got the phone call confirming that it was cancer. um, I remember going uh, very much in my head sort of over and over again going, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Hold yourself together. You know, the kids can't see you fall apart right now. And that was probably the hardest thing. But as I was doing that and kind of waiting for them to go to bed so that I could fall apart, um, I just remember, I think the, the Holy Spirit just whispered to me. He said, look around you. You know, and, you know, everybody was sitting in the living room and everybody's laughing and, you know, watching a show around bedtime like we usually do as a family. And and, uh, he just looked at me, or, you know, the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, look look around you. Everything is still good. Mm. And I was like, you know, you're right. Everything is still good. And if I can pick my eyes up off of my own personal circumstance and the the despair sort of that comes with with hearing those words – um, and actually focus on all of the things in my life that he's given me, that he's still good, all the places that he's still working. Uh, it, it sure, it really does help not to go into uh, self-pity. Self-pity and, and despair are like the absolute worst places that you can take your mind. And there's a real difference between um, allowing your emotions out because, um, you know, you do, especially I think as a woman, you know, you have to allow those emotions out because, you know, they just build up. But there's a real difference between, you know, telling 
uh, the Lord, how you feel in the deepest parts of you and expressing your fears and expressing your, your grief and your sadness and, you know, and actually going into despair. And that's a really fine line, Mm. but I've worked, um, over the last few months, you know, really hard on watching that line very carefully in my heart. Um, I, I do remember very early on within the first couple of days, you know, how many times I would just sob, um, alone with, with the Lord and really just surrender over and over and over again and just go, okay, Lord, I don't know why this is happening, but all I'm asking is that if this is happening, that you would use it somehow Mm -hmm. for your glory. And, uh, that's been my focus completely through this whole thing. And it very much, you know, I am very conscious of the people that are sort of watching us and I know that I need to be real, but at the same time, I can't go into despair. I can't, um, go into total fear because if I do, then that means I've taken my eyes off of the Lord. I've taken my eyes off of the fact that he's good and that he's promised to take care of me. Mm. Um, you know, when it's your husband that's been diagnosed, you know, as the wife and, and a mom of four kids, you know, you're, you're looking at this going, I'm not just looking at this diagnosis. I'm looking at the end of the story too. And I don't know, you know, am I going to walk through the rest of this by myself or am right. I going to have my husband? You know, so there's a little bit of a different perspective for me. And so more than ever, I have to cling to the fact that he is going to take care of me and that he is going to use this. And no matter what the outcome is, I can trust him completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pick up the story. We we heard diagnosis and the first, you know, first thoughts. But pick up the story moving forward. What was, what's next? What did you find out next? What sort of routes did you guys start taking? What the the next thing was just so many tests and so many doctor's yeah. appointments and just because they needed to kind of get a read on what was going on. And so when, that, when they found it went to the liver, that was a whole other deal. It's like it kind of it progresses uh, to the lymph nodes, to the liver, to the lungs, and then eventually the brain, right? So like they, they want to stop it at some point. And mm-hmm. so like they stopped it or are trying to stop it currently at my liver right now. And that's when you go for just so many tests and so many appointments. And then he, we had to hear how, how bad the, the liver situation really was, right? And like one of, the, one of our doctors that's on our team, you know, he just he used the words, uh, you know, it's innumerable, innumerable tumors on your liver. It's like there's so many we can't count them all. Wow. Which is not really encouraging no. at all, right? No. And so the options go way down from there. So it's it's one of those things just like I was convinced. I was convinced, like convinced with a shadow of a doubt that it wouldn't progress past colorectal. Mm-hmm. Like I was convinced, like, why, why are we doing this test? You know, and then to find out it's in the liver and not just in the liver, but a whole bunch in the liver. Yeah. And like he threw out a percentage, but he he quickly took it back because there's he it's not an accurate percentage. He said 60%. But I haven't done the math yet. Of your liver is is covered in tumors, so that's like that'll take the wind out of your sails. And so he's he's going well. Oh, well, we have all these options. We can do this and we can do that. But since your situation, we can't do any of those. <laughs> so <Thanks>. we, <laughs> right. So so we can do this one, and and so that's what I'm currently doing. It's it's the liver directed therapy, which is um, a Y ninety radiation. That's what they call. They go through. Uh, one of your arteries in your leg and deliver radiation right up into the liver. Wow. So that's what we're doing right now. 
That's like some Star Trek stuff right there. Oh, it's cutting edge, I, I guess. You know, like not many people <laughs> in Canada I know really know about it because we have doctor friends up there, mm-hmm. nurse friends up there, and they, they don't really do it or know what it is. Yeah. So it's it's really nice to be around, you know, California. And Stanford is the, the, the state-of-the-art facility for cancer research, and that's like, what, three hours down the road? Yeah. Seven hours in traffic. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> It's it it really is nice having a center like that that has all these you know cutting edge treatments that are accessible to to, to regional areas uh, like like Chico and so we just get to get to Chico and get these um, treatments. Uh, so in addition to that, like I do chemo, um, and that's pure hell. Yeah, nobody should ever do chemo, but it's uh, it's a means to an end, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, you know. Anyway, so like that's the progression has just been, it's in your liver and it doesn't look good. Um, you need a liver to live. Uh, they won't do a liver transplant on me because I have what they call metastatic cancer, right? So you're just off the list, mate, immediately because of that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we're just in treatment land right now, and trying to kind of knock this thing down a little bit so it doesn't creep in other areas. Right. So, Steph, like being in all these appointments and uh, all these different new situations you're you're a super outgoing person i know that what opportunities have you seen just in in these new like networks now you're talking to all these doctors and nurses and people who also have cancer sitting in waiting rooms is anything already like little goods come out of that oh yeah of course you know that's what was actually one of our first conversations, I think it may have even been, you know, on the way home from the colonoscopy was like, okay, well, this is going to bring us into a realm of, of the world out there, you know, that we have never touched, you know, with any foot pool. And uh, so it's like, okay, all right, then, you know, Jesus, so what do you want to do here? So I absolutely always go to every appointment, every lab draw every you know chemo infusion going okay you know Jesus whatever you want to do today through me you know go right ahead and do it you know show me who you want to show me and and all of that you know so I think you know overall we definitely carry a different um spirit I guess you would say like some would maybe say an aura or something Mm -hmm. you know of of joy really for one thing you know I know that the nurses have commented you know multiple times about how were their favorite patients and the oncologist has said you know what it, I can't remember how he put it, but something like you're the healthiest patient I have, which is you know kind Hopefully of ironic. Not and that I, in earshot of everyone else, right? Right. <laughs> Thanks, <exactly>. Doc. <laughs> but I think a lot of that just has to do with attitude, you know. And and most of them are even shocked at how well he's doing. And there's no question uh, that that's you know because of all the crazy amount of prayer that's happening. But when we were uh, first kind of in the what they call the cancer center, you go to cancer school, you go to a, a class for a morning and you learn about all the different things that you're going to expect and, you know, what kinds of people are on your team and what takes, you know, diet and, and different things. And, and we were sitting there for a little while and I, I noticed one of the ladies across the table and she said that she was there sort of in lieu of her husband and he was the one that had cancer and uh, he had to be at work that day. So she was sitting there and she, she commented that she, uh, hadn't really cried yet, you know, and, and it just immediately like a, a you know, light bulb or, or whatever, like I was just drawn to that and knew, you know, that, okay, this is, this is why I'm here today, you know, and so I asked her, you know, did you want to get together sometime for coffee? You know, we can talk about what it's like to be the wife of, of a newly diagnosed, mm-hmm. you know, cancer patient. And uh, sure enough, we got together and, 
you know, her, her name, well, maybe I better not bring her name out, but it actually turns out that her husband has the exact same cancer as Jordy, that it is also in his liver. And so they're really going through almost exactly what we are at the same time, you know, and it's just been really great to be a support for her and to be friends through this. Um, we call ourselves the, uh, CWC, the Cancer Wives Club. So yeah. far, there's only two of us, but you know, there'll probably be more eventually. Yeah. And, uh, God has definitely used me in her life. Um, I know that she had kind of, I think, turned back a little bit towards him through uh, her husband's diagnosis, but they've been coming to our church and getting to know other people. And um, she, you know, I've been able to go up and pray with her when she's been having a really hard time. And, you know, that's probably the closest connection, but it's a really special one to me. And it's a real honor to be used as her friend in this time for, you know, for both of us. Yeah. That's such a huge like flip-flop from the way the world thinks right i know i know i know the way i would think in a similar situation would be like what's next for me what and and the first 10 things about any situation would be me focused right and and hearing that even to have a thought in the first little bit of how can i be used for somebody else how can i be there for somebody else that's completely different than the rest of the world thinks, right? And that's what draws, that's what really should draw people to Christianity, right? Is that, that thought process of what do I have to offer? Now, Jory, you, you had met somebody when you were in a waiting room as well, right? I've had the chances to see numerous people. And so the conversation is usually the same. You know, it's kind of tell me your story, where you're from. And they usually end up pouring their heart out to you. You know, so it's, it's, to me, it's an advantage, if I could even use that word, to kind of leverage my relationship to get to the heart of the matter. Just yeah. what, what's in your heart? And I would just have a conversation that's more than just, you know, how's the weather? You'd like something that's would stir somebody to, to feel something or to, to believe something different or to give hope in their day, you know? So I try to, to use these encounters that I have numerous times, you know, just to encourage somebody in their, in their position. The one thing, when you go into cancer center, it's, there's no good story. Everybody right. has a horrific story in the cancer center. Nobody's got a little sniffle in the cancer center. Right. Yeah. And so you hear these stories and they're just, they're just killer. They're just devastating, you know? And then to know that I know Jesus I have hope in this situation and maybe they can glean some hope just off of a conversation that we have as we're just waiting for the next treatment, as we're waiting for the next appointment, as we're waiting for the next lab draw, you know? Yeah. But it's, it's not just a matter of woe is me, right? It's a matter of, okay, God, you got me in, we're in this position together. So now what, you know? So, yeah, it seems like a, a sort of the deal is, when you when you have a relationship with Jesus, it has to look like something, right? And it has to look like something on your best days, but it really has to look like something on your worst days too, right? Oh yeah, like that's kind of the point <laughs> of just having hope in a, a hopeless situation. You know, like my whole take on on hope is very much uh, what I would consider a biblical position on hope, which is you know I don't have hope in my situation turning around, I have hope in the resurrection story coming around, 
which is the, the restoration of all things to the way that, that Jesus wants them to be. Mm-hmm. And so know, knowing who I am and then participating in that, that, uh, that journey that he has me in of going, go tell, go tell somebody else who they are. You know, just having that resurrection story actually in you. Like my hope isn't to get better. My hope is to actually have my story make a difference in somebody's life. Yeah. Obviously, I want to get better. Like that should go without saying. <laughs> I don't want to do right. chemo ever again. I don't want to do these treatments ever again. I never want to see my doctor ever again. <laughs> right? Yeah. But since here we are, since I can't really control those things, I can control who I get to be through these things. Yeah. I get to control how I respond to these things mm-hmm. based on who I know that I am. So my hope doesn't lie in all that. My hope lies in the story, the Jesus story in me and the Jesus story out there coming together and really yeah. having that be impactful. I remember something that impacted me. Um, you came to church to to preach on a day that you were not feeling your best. And right. anybody who's been through chemo knows that that there there are good days and there are not good days. Right. And and your your day to preach was I don't think it was a, a great day for you. And and you came up and you know, you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be sitting down today. I uh, hope you guys are okay with that and we got you a stool, right? And and you knocked it out of the park because there's a lot of people sitting in the pews listening on YouTube who have stuff going on in their lives and they don't they don't really know how to deal with it, right? And maybe it's not the same magnitude, or maybe it is. Uh, but your your message was: this is what this is what God called me to do. I I He called me to move from Canada to be here. Right? Why would I let this stop me? I'm not right. going to let this stop me. Right? And uh, like there weren't many dry eyes in the in the place. Right? And there's like how can I go home and say no to what Jesus has called me to do? Whether that's washing up my kids or you know, doing something that I, you know, something like that, uh, doing the dishes or, you know, when, when I can see Jesus walking through your life and, and you saying yes to him. Right. And I think that's, that's one thing I wanted to point out in your story that I've seen is that you, you get to be, you get to show people Jesus in reality. That's right. right. Like cancer is not going to define who I am. Uh, there is a strong pull. Everywhere you go, that cancer will define who you are. Mm-hmm. And every, every well-meaning person, and I'd love them to death, right, will always make your story about, about, about cancer. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling today, Jordy? You know, do you need to rest today, Jordy? You know, it's like, that's yeah. all very tempting, right? Yeah, I do need to rest. You're mm-hmm. right. No, I don't need to go to work today. You're right. No, it's very tempting to allow cancer yeah. just to dictate where you're going. But, that you know, that, that's not fair. You know, that's Jesus died for me on the cross, and I'm going to give my life for him. Yeah, you know, with or without cancer, and that's pretty much as easy as as it is in my brain. Yeah. So, is there anything else to the story, like Steph? Where are we at now? What's the current, most current thing that's going on? Um, I think you know we're we're sort of looking forward, and you know we're in an interesting position right now. Uh, George's going to go in a couple of days to have uh, the radiation on the other side of his liver, and then shortly after that, he'll have chemo again and so that'll be a new thing because they had given him a a break from the chemo uh, to do the first half of his liver with the radiation and so we're gonna sort of see what it's like to have uh, both of those things kind of going on at the same time the radiation makes you really really tired so Mm -hmm. um, 
on the bright side, he ended up having uh, radiation on his hip bone. And uh, for, for a bit there, he couldn't walk uh, very far at all. And uh, we had prayed just before going into an appointment uh, with the oncologist saying, like, okay, Lord, if there's anything else that we should be doing, you know, treatment-wise, would you just sort of have it fall into our laps? And, you know, at the end of the appointment, we were walking down to the radiation center and making an appointment, you know, to get this hip radiation. And, and uh, Jordan and I went away for two days uh, just this week, and he was able to walk over four miles. And that was incredible because even though, you know, we're going through this, you know, just with small kids and stuff, you know, you still want to be able to be, you know, as active as you can be. And uh, so that's really great. But we're definitely looking at the future going, okay, we don't really know, you know, how this next stage of treatment is going to, is going to fall in our family. And, but we're still very much fixated on the idea that, you know, Jesus has to use this no matter, you know, what it looks like for us. The only hope that I have personally, you know, is that, you know, that the enemy gets pillaged and God gets glory. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's really, you know, what I pray for. That's what I hope for. You know, there's many late night conversations that I'm having with him, um, looking up at the stars going, you know, you're really great. Like clearly you're really great. And, um, here, here's me and my situation. And I need to really fix my eyes on, on who you are and the fact that you don't change. And worship songs have really taken on a new meaning for me. You know, there's a lot of uh, songs that, you know, I used to sing with so much gusto, you know, like, um, there's, there's one, I think it's a Bethel song, you know, that like burn like a fire in me, you know, for the sake of the world. And, you know, I used to sing that with all my heart, you know, and now it's like, oh, now the the rubber is actually hitting the road and I have a lot of choices to make, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you know, are are you going to burn like a fire in me in front of, you know, all the people that you want to show yourself, you know, Uh, you want to show yourself through me, you know, so am I going to let you do that? You know, am I going to choose joy today? Am I going to choose hope today? Am I going to choose to, you know, lay my life down for people when all I really want to do is curl into a ball and just kind of go, is this over yet? Yeah. You know, and, and the, one of the hardest parts of, of a story like this is that you don't know the outcome, Mm -hmm. you know, so I have to choose him not knowing whether, you know, my husband is going to live or die at the end of this. And, uh, you know, I, I have determined, you know, and, and thankfully we have a will and we're able to do that, but I have determined, you know, that I will follow him no matter what the outcome is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously I have what I want to happen, but, you know, as much as I want it with, with all my heart, um, when I'm focused on, on me and, and having Jesus do what he wants to, or sorry, what I want him to do, you know, that's very much where where fear and control and and all of this you know the thoughts about how can we make this better you know that they all come in and and you just get wound up more and more and and that's where you know anything that belongs to the enemy you know really starts to come in and and ravage your joy yeah but then when i you know remember oh yeah wait you know when when we gave our lives to him and when when we came to Orville but even before that you know it was just like okay use me for whatever you want and uh, you know I tell this story sometimes to our students but you know years ago George sat me down on the couch and and said you know if God calls me off to be a missionary somewhere and I, and I die you know are are we okay with that you know and I I took some time to to think about that, Mm -hmm. you know, before I answered the question, because, you know, he really felt called to to places that are hard to go to. And, uh, you know, I eventually did, you know, decide that, yeah, if if you are called to to a place where you you could die for the gospel, then, yeah, I'm okay with that. I have enough faith 
and, and trust and belief in God taking care of me that I'd, I would be okay with that. I'm not excited about the idea, but I'd be okay with that. And, and so far we're not there, but you know, we are in our own sort of life and death situation and it, yeah. it really must be for the sake of the gospel. And you're just reminding me of something you said. I remember you, I was it whether you were teaching in class or preaching on this, but uh, actually I think you were emceeing at church and you just shared like, Hey, this is where we're at today. Um, about what sort of led you to the sort of faith muscle that you have now where these decisions are just, this is just what, like, yeah, it's a difficult decision, but it's almost not because we've practiced these decisions in smaller in smaller things and then bigger things all the way up until when this rolls down the pipe, it's not, it's not going to be the knockout blow, right? Yeah, exactly. I was actually doing a, a talk before we, we did the offering that night, and uh, it had struck me, you know, really quite hard during worship that, you know, the reason that I'm okay right now is because of actually the journey that God has brought me through uh, with money, you know, whether that was trusting him for provision in, you know, some small circumstance or some big circumstance or, or being challenged to give more or to, you know, well, I, I want this, I want this to happen in your life and it's going to cost this much. And, you know, do you have faith for that? And there, there, I, you know, obviously we don't have time to get into that whole story, but you know, there have been a lot of those things in my life. And every time he's challenged us or, me you know in those areas he has always been who he said he was yeah you know and so if if i exercise that muscle in learning who he is and being able to trust him for provision then i have to trust him with the rest of my life as well you know whatever the future looks like i can trust him to take care of me because i have a long history of him taking care of me yeah what struck me was that you didn't you didn't just wait for the big thing to come down to say all right let's muster up our faith for this big thing it was like hey this christian life is no joke there's going to be jesus said there's going to be trials and troubles and temptations and hard things that are going to come your way and what i took from that is what are you doing today to to build your faith that muscle right that it won't work if you stop using it and for us it's been okay we're going to move to this this neighborhood right where People ride around on bikes with no tires and um, that sort of thing. And everybody's got their own Orville stories. I saw a guy riding a go-kart to the grocery store, like a, a kid's pedal go-kart, right? 40-year-old guy. Um, but we, we chose to move here, and that's just the first. It seems big to, you know, to think back on, but we want to get to the point in our lives where something, something big, something scary comes, and we can, we can meet it and and stare it down with jesus right and and he can tell it to go and and we'll be used for him right but it doesn't it doesn't just happen at the spur of a moment it takes years of growth right i saw god just this afternoon he was pulling a boat it was full of garbage yeah and the boat trailer had no tires on it he was riding straight on rims man just going down the street? Going down the highway. So you wonder when you... Highway even, wow. Yeah. You so I was those. just waiting for the fire trucks to come out. <laughs> yeah, because around here, this is fire season, man. It's fire are, season, yeah. Things are sparking. I couldn't believe That's my eyes. Awesome. It was awesome. It made a racket, dude. I'm thinking loud. of starting my own Instagram account because I got a dash cam on my car just in case somebody hits me and, you know, hit and run or um, just like as seen in Oroville, you know, just... 
I got to I got to start that. <laughs> You'd be a busy man. Yeah, we're going to yeah, we're going to get get a following around here. So, um yeah, just I want to thank you guys for giving your time to be here. I uh, especially want to thank Steph for being our our birth coach and I know just your time is so super precious and you you joined us for for that and you gave up I was over 24 hours straight of coaching us through uh, mostly citizenship questions until the the <laughs> yeah. real stuff hit the fan, but that was a lot of fun and um, it was it was really good to have you there. And that's just another thing of how can I be used? I'm not going to stop being used for Jesus, right? And we really needed you in that time, and you were you were there to offer. And uh, for following Jordy, just um, when I when I think of my own thoughts of like, man, this this sucks for me, or this thing's hard for me or my family, this situation isn't ideal, I think, okay, well, you know, how, how good do I have it actually with Jesus? And, but how good do I have it to see, like, if, if you guys aren't complaining, how can I complain? Right. So I I really want to thank you guys. Now, my, my last thing is for people listening to this, is there anything that they can do for you? Any support they can give any, any, this is your plug promo chance. Okay, so we have a GoFundMe account out there. Yes. Um, I'm pretty sure it's called Jordy's Journey. Okay. Um, we have a Facebook page, which is called Jordy's Journey and Uncommon Hope. Okay. Uh, Jordy is spelled G-E-O-R-D-I-E. Okay. Uh, yeah, they got to spell it the hardest way possible, which is yeah. also an adventure when you're in the hospital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Knowing which creative way they're going to express your name this time. My wife's name is Sharea. And we named our, our daughter Elowin. So there you go. We know that. We're just going to be spelling things for the rest of our lives. So I got that GoFundMe account. And uh, I think the best way to describe why you need a GoFundMe account for this is because it is a complete culture life change. Hmm. Everything is different. You can't eat the same. You can't sleep the same. You can't dress the same. You know, you go down the list. Yeah, right? you were actually radioactive for a while and Was. couldn't be in the same house with your your family right I had to keep a three foot radius yeah <laughs> which in your email when you sent that out to everybody you said as an introvert i will not find this difficult which totally <laughs> right. cracked me up right but um yeah, yeah i was wondering if i was wondering at the time if you had any new superpowers or anything <laughs> not yet so i go for that again on tuesday though so really? we'll see okay. but uh, air high fives all around there's there's the 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 constant updates we're trying to get out there when there is updates is mm-hmm. is jordy's journey and uncommon hope which is uh, that Facebook page. So go okay. ahead and like that. Uh, comment on it, like it, do whatever you want to do with it. Yeah. But that's where you're going to get the up-to-date info. Okay. So that's good. We'll link that in the show notes. And uh, if there's anything else you need, then you you can find it there on Jordy's Journey. Thank you guys both so much for your time and for being vulnerable with us. Pleasure. Likewise. <laughs>Well, that's going to do it for this episode, and what an episode it was. Thanks again, Jordy and Steph. That was amazing. Before we get to the ways that you can connect with The Uncommon Truth and The Father's House, I really want to echo that website and the GoFundMe that you can keep in touch with Jordy and his journey. It's called Jordy's Journey. Jordy is spelled G-E-O-R-D-I-E. G-E-O-R-D-I-E Jordy it's kind of like Jordy from Star Trek if you're like me but his his Facebook page is Jordy's Journey and so we'll have a link to that in the show notes 
And there's also a GoFundMe, which I will link to the show notes to help him and Steph and their kids through this tough time. I really encourage you, if you don't often look through our show notes, there's a lot of good stuff there. And that will be right at the top so you can find it real easily. I've also thrown my email in there. If you have questions about this episode, questions about other episodes, or you got feedback on something you heard here, I would love to hear from you. And I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. So send me an email. There's also tons of stuff there that you'll find interesting. Our sermons on YouTube from Jordy and Steve and some of our other pastors. We've got Instagram and Facebook and all sorts of different social media accounts for the School of Transformation, for our Life Recovery Ministries, for our Urban Mission Experience, and just for the the church in general, the Father's House Church. You can find all of those there, as well as websites where you can figure out a little bit more about what we're about around here, and even links to Steve's books on Amazon. And finally, just one more reminder to review and rate our show on iTunes. Even if you don't use iTunes to listen to The Uncommon Truth, if you're running Spotify uh, or some other Podbean, some, some site like that, even if you don't use that, jump on iTunes. Pretty much everybody's got an account there. And find us at The Uncommon Truth. Leave us a five-star rating if you could and a review, and that will boost us up so more people can find The Uncommon Truth and be blessed by what we're offering. As promised, on a personal note, I want to update you on the birth of our third daughter. Our daughter, Elowen Ann Ehrman, was born at 4.39 on Saturday morning. It's Friday now, so she's about six days old, and she's perfect. She was 6 pounds, 12 ounces at birth, for those of you who care about such things, and 20 and a half inches long. She joins her sisters here in the Ehrman family, Jovi Evangeline and Arrow Lark, to swim in the Sea of Estrogen, which is the Ehrman household. And she came in the world like Michael Jordan, with her eyes bulging open and her tongue hanging out. So we're super proud of her and super thankful to Steph Mumby for being our doula. We couldn't have done it without you, Steph. Thank you so much. So thanks again for joining us. That's going to do it for this week. This has been The Uncommon Truth.